Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. Romans 8th chapter will begin there. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made us free from the law of sin and death. So there are two laws, one called that we hear in this scripture, one called the law of the spirit of life and one called the law of sin and death. How many are familiar with the law of sin and death? Raise your hand if you're familiar with it. Absolutely, we've all been touched by it in some way in our lives since the day that we came out of our mother's womb. We were touched by this thing called the law of sin and death. That's why Jesus came into the world uh, to reverse that curse. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, (coughs) God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Why? That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled fulfilled in us. In us who? Those of us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. There's a whole teaching I want to get on as we go on in Romans, uh, the uh, um, 8th chapter, regarding what it means to walk in the flesh versus what to walk in the Spirit. But today, um, we want to talk about another law. Now, just to begin, the laws of God were never given to restrict us in any way. They were actually given to protect us and so that we could have a quality of life, to protect us from uh, our enemies of life, with both which are seen and unseen. Uh, specifically, there are three called the, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Those are the three enemies that God wanted to protect us from. So he established some laws. I'm not talking about the Levitical law. I'm not talking about the, uh, the Mosaic law, which they're the same and one, just called two different things. I'm talking about the law, the spiritual laws of God that, um, that literally... Um, uh, that we, from those laws we reap uh, the greater things of God in our lives. Now turn to Isaiah 55. Isaiah the 55th chapter really reveals to us a law called the law of confession. But as we read this verse, we'll see that there are actually two laws in this verse. In Isaiah 55 verse 10. It says God speaking. I, I wanted to start earlier, but for sake of time, we'll just start right here in verse 10. As, uh, Isaiah 55 says, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not thither, but watereth the earth and makes it bring forth and bud. So there's a purpose for the snow from heaven and the rain. The Bible says that it waters the earth and makes the earth, I love that, makes the earth bring forth and bud. That Why? So that it gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, this is called the law of seed time and harvest. Now, the apostle Paul, now again, there are many scriptures, so I just have to run through a few of them. And now Paul brings this truth to light in Galatians 6. Here's what he says. We'll go, come back here to Isaiah 55. Galatians 6, this is the New Living Translation. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God, uh, the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Always remember that. So those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature, and he's talking to the church here. He's writing to the church. He wants the church to know that you can live your life by the Spirit of God or driven by your sinful nature. That's up to you. But those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. 
But those who live to please the Spirit or the Holy Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Can you shout amen? amen. So again, he's, the, the law of sowing, seed time and harvest is right here in this verse. Now back to, um, uh, oh, so then he goes on and says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up and yield to the sinful nature. Okay, Isaiah 55, 11. Now, so shall my word. So he's likened to the word, uh, let's go, uh, he's likened to the word as rain coming down and snow from heaven and watering the earth so that it buds and brings forth fruit to give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. That's how he's likening his word. Isaiah 55, verse 11. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. There's the law of confession. Uh, it shall not return unto me void, <coughs> but it shall accomplish. The word accomplish means execute in the Hebrew. But it shall execute that which I please, and it shall prosper. That word prosper means to push, I love this, to push forward and break out. Push forward and break out. Sound good, doesn't it? Uh, and uh, in, in the thing whereto I sent it. This is biblically called the law of confession. The law of confession is first seen in the book of Genesis, the very, the very first chapter, we see the law of confession. And I, I wanted to read, I, got, I really got blessed um, I don't know how she put this up here in the, in the screen, but um, in Genesis 1, verse 1, we're going to begin there. And um, yeah, she just put the scripture, which is fine, but I, wanna, I want you to really listen to me when I share this. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form. Now, the word, now listen, this is, I, I looked at it, you can look it up yourself. I'm telling you the God's truth here. The earth was out, without form. The word form in the Hebrew means it was a desert. It was a desolation and empty wasteland. Now, we know God cannot create death. He can only create life. So we know that something happened between verse 1 and verse 2. Okay? We know something dramatically happened, and we believe this. We believe between verses 1 and verse 2 that that is where Lucifer had his, um, his uh, prideful exaltation to try to overthrow the kingdom of God. And this is why, all, and where did God cast the devil? Anybody, where, where did he cast him to? Hey, not Jupiter, the earth. Amen. <clears throat> to the earth. And that's where all this chaos took place. Well, I want to finish this verse. He says, um, uh, with, uh, without form, <coughs> a, a desert, a desolation, an empty wasteland, and void. The word void is this word in the Hebrew, an indistri indistri uh, indistinguishable ruin. And darkness, the word darkness, misery, destruction, death, ignorance, sorrow, and wickedness was upon the face of the deep. Wow. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And what was he waiting for? He was waiting for the spoken word of God. And verse 3 says it. Then God said, he loosed the law of confession. He said, let there be light. And there was light. That word light in the Hebrew, it means illumination, comma, happiness. <laughs> Come on, there's no happiness in the other things there, right? There's no happiness in desolation. There's no happiness in, in a desert, in, in, in ruin. There's no happiness in misery, destruction, death, ignorance, sorrow, wickedness. Can I have an amen? amen. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated, watch this, the light or the illumination and the happiness um, from the darkness, from the misery, 
the destruction, the death, the ignorance, the sorrow, and wickedness. Amen. Why? So that his creation would know the difference. Did you know that people that are raised in, in, a, in a broken home, a home of alcoholism, a home of sexual abuse, a home of fear and oppression, a home of poverty, did you know that they think that is life? They, they think that is the normalcy of life. And they're raised around all this destruction and said, my God, what happened to me? Is this what life is? I'm living a life of hell on earth. And a lot of them are. Because they don't know there's something better. Unless you tell them. Unless you tell them. They don't know. And so, the Bible says he separated the two. Then for the next 31 voice, uh, verses, won't have time to read it, nine times in creation, it says, and God said, and God said, and God said. He was loosing the law of confession or exercising the law of confession. And in that law, creation, as we know it, came, uh, came to pass or was birthed. So the will of God, listen, the will of God couldn't come to fruition until the creative word of God was spoken. And then immediately following the fall, again, I'll give you this quick example. Uh, immediately following the fall, God spoke his will again regarding man's redemption. I'm so glad when Adam fell that God didn't say, wow, things are falling apart and there's nothing I can do. He spoke his word immediately and here's what he says. So the Lord God said to the serpent, this is your punishment. You are singled out from among all the domestic and wild animals of the whole earth to be cursed. You shall grovel in the dust as long as you live, crawling along on your belly. From now on, you and the woman will be enemies, as will your offspring and hers. You, why, why do you have problems? Because you have an enemy. Why do you have challenges? Why, can life, why is life so tormenting sometimes? Because you have an adversary that's tormenting you. And it all begins right here in the mind. That's why Paul says we have to renew our minds to the word of God because every day there's an assault coming against our minds. And if we meditate on them and receive those, they drop into the heart. And the heart is the manufacturing center, the Bible says in Proverbs 6, and it will manufacture what you allow to come into your heart. God said, from now on, you and the woman will be enemies, as will your offspring and hers. You will strike his heel, but he will crush your head. The word head literally means a, a Satan's a position of authority. He said that the... The seed of the woman is going to crush your head. I love that verse there. So the second that word of promise of redemption left God's mouth, God knew for sure without hesitation it was going to come to pass. Why? Because he said in Isaiah, every word that goes out of my mouth shall not return to me without results. It'll go forth and accomplish that which I please and prosper in the thing whereto it sent. Amen. That's why we can literally declare. That's why Brother Colton, that word came out. Because we have to declare what we want to see. We, want, we have to start declaring what we want to see of America, not what we see in America. It really is true. The law of faith and the law of confession supersede every natural law. I'll give you some examples. When Jesus spoke to a storm, or he spoke to the wind and the seas, the Bible says, uh, they obeyed his word. When he spoke to the spirit realm, demons immediately subjected themselves to his confession of faith. When he spoke to the barren fig tree, the tree yielded to his word without resistance or without argument. And Jesus, when he spoke the word, he always trusted God with the results. When Jesus cursed that tree, fig tree, he didn't say, okay, guys, wait a minute. Let's stay here and see what happens. 
He just left. He already knew the word went forth and it would not return unto him void. Woo! How many believe that we are the Jesus in the earth today? We are his family. We are his body. He's the head, but we're his body. Amen. And I love what he said to his disciples in their response. Peter says in Mark eleven twenty one. 21, Peter called to remembrance, said to the Lord, Master, behold, the fig tree which you've cursed is withered away. Now look what Jesus said. Oh, yes, guys, you'll never understand the kind of faith I have, and someday, hope to God you get it. He didn't say that. He says, and Jesus' response or answered them and said, have faith in God. What does that mean? Have faith in God that when you declare what he says, he's going to honor what he says. Have faith in God, for verily I say unto you that whosoever, say, I am a whosoever. I am. Amen. You are. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but believe those things which he saith shall come to pass. He will have whatsoever he saith. That's why we always, we, if, if you get in trouble, your trouble always begins an inch beneath your nose. Most of our troubles begin right there. Not from what others say, but how you respond to what others say. Amen. It's quiet in this Lutheran church. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Write this down. The temporal is always subject to the eternal. The temporal is always subject to the eternal. Now, turn to Hebrews 3. We're going to see this thing called the law of confession in Hebrews, the third chapter. And it all ties in, of course, to the story of the children of Israel. And we'll get as far as we can. And if we have to, we'll pick up next week. But I just want you to capture some things today concerning the importance of your confession. In Hebrews 3, verse 1, Therefore, holy brethren, that's, he's talking to you, he said, partakers of the heavenly calling. Now consider, that word means fully observe, the apostle and the high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him, who appointed him, as Moses was faithful in all his house. So what you need to consider from right now till the end of the chapter, you need to consider the faithfulness of Jesus. How many believe that Jesus is faithful? Now listen, he's not faithful to you as a person. He's faithful to the word that you declare and believe. That is, that's what he's faithful to. I wish he was faithful to our, just our need, faithful to our crisis at hand, but he's not. He's faithful to your faith and confession in what he said in his word about you. The word profession, he's the high priest of our profession. That literally, I mean, let me give you the exact Greek definition. It's the word homologio. It means confession or, listen, it means acknowledgement. I love this definition, assenting to the covenant. That's what it means. He's the high priest of you assenting to the covenant of your assenting to the covenant, of your acknowledgement that his word is true. This is what he's saying there. So whatever God says, that is the foundation of your faith. Whatever God says. Amen. Not NBC, CBS, CBS or Fox. It's what God says. That's why I got encouraged from that word because I really do believe that Brother Copeland is a true prophet of God. I really believe that. He's a 21st century prophet. And if he says something, that something good's going to happen in America, then you and I need to take a hold of that as if it was God speaking because God was speaking. So, 
Bible says Jesus is the high priest of our confession. Jeremiah 1.12 says he watches over his word to perform it. That's what he does. God watches over his word to perform it. In what Jeremiah is referring to right there, he's referring to every, every messianic prophecy, every prophecy of the goodness of God on humanity was prophesied by a prophet. So God was watching over that word to perform it. The word perform in the Hebrew means to accomplish it. He watches over his word to accomplish it. So when you and I are standing on the word of God for protection, for, for provision, for direction in our lives, praise God, I guarantee you, you will not get an Ishmael. You'll get an Isaac if you'll just be patient and let God, let God do what God can do. And what he can do is make things happen. What you can do is make things worse by getting in the way. Amen. So the entirety of Hebrews 3 the Holy Spirit simply is repeating, uh, telling, he's warning us not to repeat what the children of Israel did. What, what did they do? They wouldn't believe the word of God, and so they were not able to go in and attain to God's best for their lives. That literally died, the Bible says, in the wilderness. Now, turn to the 14th chapter of Numbers. I'm going to skip a couple of things for, because we're running out of time. But I want to get this out this morning. Numbers, the 14th chapter. Now, in the 13th chapter, we know that, the, and, and I, just, I saw something here that I just kind of, okay, I caught it for, I, I know I've read it, I even have it underlined, but I really, I just caught it by the Spirit, where it says in verse 3 of, uh, Hebrew, uh, of um, Numbers 13, that God commanded Moses to send these 12 leaders of the tribes of Israel into the promised land. You know, they went into the truth. Oh, the Bible says they went in to search the land. The word search is where we get the English word reconnaissance. They were supposed to send in 12 leaders, one for every tribe, to, to uh, strategize a military attack against the enemies within the land of promise, the, la the land of Canaan, okay? So you know the story. They came back. Uh, and, and, and two had a good report, 10 had an evil report. You know that story. Uh, uh, Cain, uh, uh, Joshua uh, and Caleb says, uh, uh, let us go up at once for we're well able. We're well able to conquer this. Say this out loud. We're well able to conquer every attack in our lives. Amen. We're well able. Why? And they weren't talking about we as just you, Vicki and I or Randy and Melissa. They're talking about we, God and us. God in us. I said God and us. Amen. That's what he's talking about there. We're, he would, God, was in the, God was on the throne there on Caleb's heart and Joshua's heart. We are well able. But the ten uh, full of fear said we're not able. Why? Because we look like grasshoppers in our own sight. Not in their sight. Not in the giant's sight. There were giants in the land. And they said we look like grasshoppers in our sight. Not the giant. The giants didn't see them as grasshoppers. They convinced themselves that they were. And all the time that we complain and murmur about our problems, all of a sudden, our problems become the giant, and we exalt the giant above the goodness of God and the, and the, and the possibilities of God. All right, um, so anyway, let's go to chapter 14, just a couple of verses, and then we'll move on. Now, so... The Bible says in chapter 14, verse 1, all the congregation lifted up their voice and they cried and the people wept that night. Why? Because they were stripped of their faith. They were stripped of the hope that they had in their hearts that God was literally giving them a land. They couldn't believe that God, God failed. No, they failed. They failed. 
because they got out of faith. And watch what they said. Would God that we had, oh, okay. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. God, we've got to help not to murmur. And I'm serious. I'm sure most of you don't have a problem with murmuring, but I've had my share of it. There's murmuring about everything. And so the Bible says the whole congregation murmured against Moses and the whole congregation said unto them, would God that we had died in the land of Egypt or would God we had died in this wilderness? Completely, just so ungrateful, so critical. So, verse chapter 14, verse 27. Oh, verse 26 says, The Lord spoke unto Moses and Aaron and said, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation? Very interesting, he calls them evil. And you'll see in Hebrews 3, it was, they were evil because they would not believe God. How long? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they have murmured against me. I want you to tell them. I want you to go, go, go tell them this. As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. And their carcasses fell in the wilderness. They died there. Never, ever the will of God that they were to die. I know it broke the heart of God that these precious people, that Moses, a type of Jesus, led them out of Egypt, a type of the world from Pharaoh, a type of Satan, into the land of promise, a type of our eternal destiny. So, Bible says they died in the wilderness. It was never God's will, but it was the, the law of confession that gave birth to a fear-filled concession. As truly as I live, you, you, what you have spoken in my ears, God said, so will I do to you. Hallelujah. The Bible says Joshua and Caleb, they went in, praise God, and they possessed everything that God promises word. Why? Because they maintained faith in and a good confession regarding what God had promised. And it, listen, listen to guys and gals, they waited for another 40 years. Yeah, they waited another 40 years for everybody to die off before they got what rightfully belonged to them 40 years earlier. You talk about selfless. You talk about sacrifice. Can I have an amen? But they did it. And they, and they in fact, the Bible says at the age of 80, I believe Caleb they got into the promised land and Caleb wanted a specific mountain and he says, God, give me that mountain. He says, God, go, God said, go ahead and take it. At 80 years old, he conquered the enemies on that mountain so he could have what he, want, what he was expecting in his life. Hallelujah. What God expected from their generation, he's expecting from this generation. One more thing. This is good. Regarding that second generation, which was led by, uh, led by Joshua. Listen to this. When they, he led them now, after 40 years, everybody, that first generation is dead. And God said, okay, Joshua, let's go. Pick up your tent and let's go. So they headed out and they got to a city called Jericho. And history tells us that Jericho was a walled city that no one could penetrate. It was, it, it, they raced three chariots wide on that wall. It was massive. It was thick. It was probably 30, 40 feet thick and wrapped around the whole city. There's no way that, that anybody could penetrate that city. And so what God told Joshua, Joshua, I want you to march around that city seven times, uh, once every day for seven days, and on the seventh day, seven times, all right? But he says, I want you to, 
I want, I want this command to go forth. The children of Israel cannot speak one word because if they burped, it would be a burp of unbelief. They couldn't say a word because he didn't want them to uproot what God had planned. And so, that, so the whole nation was commanded not to speak a word for those seven days and on the seventh day seven times. But you know what happened? When they joined together with one unified uh, spirit of faith, something supernatural took place. And the, wall, the Bible says the walls never fell over. They went straight down into the ground. I don't believe that. That's God. Isn't that awesome? So you can see, they controlled God, God told Joshua, you control their confession. You make sure they don't say anything. And when they say something, I'll tell them what to say. And all it was, it was holler. And they shouted, and those walls came down. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And of course, they did reach their destiny. Every word, write this down, every word we speak are containers of seed. Seeds that God ordained to be cast into the fertile soil of the human spirit. And it's the good seeds of his word sown within that we ultimately harvest his presence and his purpose in our lives. Uh, There's so many scriptures on this, I don't have time to read them all. Matthew 12. Jesus addressing the Pharisees. The Fer- no, anybody, if you don't know what a, who a Pharisee was, a Pharisee was a Jew who had studied years, highly educated in the law. The, the Mosaic or the Levitical law. They knew the law frontwards and backwards. But listen, just, Pastor, I think Pastor Vicky said that in prayer. They had a head knowledge of God, but not a heart knowledge. Okay? And here's what Jesus said to them. He said, either make the tree sound or healthy and good, and its fruit sound healthy and good, or make the tree rotten, diseased, and bad, and its fruit rotten, diseased, and bad, for the tree is known and recognized and judged by its fruit. You offspring of vipers, I'm telling you, man, he called them snakes, poisonous snakes. How can you speak good things when you are wicked? For out of the fullness, the overflow, the superabundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now the good man from his inner good treasure flings forth good things. And the evil man out of his inner evil treasure flings forth evil things. But I tell you, on the day of judgment, men will have to give account for every idle, inoperative, non-working word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified and acquitted. And by your words, you will be condemned and sentenced. So your words will either lead you closer to or farther away from God and his will, all depending on you, all depending on what you're saying, what I'm saying. And it's really true. I'll give you some examples. Didn't I say someone else, get, someone else would get that job I wanted? Didn't I say we'd never be able to go on that trip? Didn't I tell you that I, must, uh, I most likely won't get that raise? Didn't I say nothing good ever happens to us? And every time we declare stuff like that, we are establishing our future. Because we're speaking contrary to who God is in our lives. I mean, I'm just... Raise your hand if anybody's familiar with anything like this in your life, that we have to be so careful because we end up speaking the very problem that we don't want to have. <clears throat> we're able. We're not able. So as I close here today, what has been your confession lately? I mean that. What, has been your, what have you been saying? 
I believe that if you're honest with yourself, you could say, man, I've got to do a little bit more the managing of my tongue. I can't be speaking just carelessly. The wisest man on earth, Solomon, he said this, a man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. I, I like the New Living Translation. It says, the tongue can bring forth death or life, those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Well, it's good if, if, if you're speaking good. Ephesians, Paul addressed the power of your words. He says, let no foul or polluting language nor evil word nor unwholesome or worthless talk ever come out of your mouth, but only such speech is as good and beneficial, watch this, to the spiritual progress of others. What if we did that? What if we actually did that? That every word we spoke was for the beneficial spiritual progress of others. Whew. Yeah, amen. Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, what if we did that? How powerful that would be. I mean, really would. Chapter 5 of Ephesians, he says, Let there be no filthiness, obscenity, indecency, nor foolish and sinful, silly and corrupt talk, nor jesting, coarse jesting, which are not fitting or becoming, but instead voice your thankfulness to God. All right, now, this is where we winded up back in Hebrews, where we saw that Jesus is the high priest of your confession. Now, listen, Hebrews 2.17 says this. He's the high priest of things pertaining to God, which, of course, would be his word. Now, really quickly, this is the Living Bible. Now, since Christ is so much superior, the Holy Spirit warns us, so he's talking to us, right, to listen to him and to be careful to hear his voice today. And not let your hearts become set against him as the people of Israel did. They steeled themselves against his love. And they complained against him in the desert while he was testing them. But God was patient with them 40 years, though they tried his patience sorely. He kept right on doing his mighty works, miracles for them to see. Listen, do, are, you so, are we so dumb as that we don't understand what a test is? I mean, husband, marriage, marriages. You know, we can have a healthy marriage or we can have an unhealthy marriage. I mean, when you start to get into argument, what, what do you, do, do we inflame the fires of that argument by our selfish, self-centered responses? Or do we stop for a moment and say, oh, I better not go there because it'll just cause more problems. It'll cause deeper wounds instead of healing. We've got to stop and think who is really the enemy of our lives? And that your wife is not your enemy, your husband's not your enemy, your brother's not your enemy. We got to stop and think about this. Because I mean, this is exactly what he's talking about here. They complain, but God was patient with them for 40 years, though they tried his patience sorely. He kept right on doing his mighty miracles for them to see. But God says, here's what God says, I was very angry with them, for their hearts were always looking somewhere else instead of up to me, and they never found the paths I wanted them to follow. And you literally can go through your whole entire life as a Christian and never find the paths God wanted you to follow because you're more self-centered than God-centered. God doesn't want us to be that way. So beware, he says, then of your own hearts. 
dear brothers, lest you find that they too are evil and unbelieving, they're to lead you away from the living God. Speak to each other about these things every day, that there's, that there's still time so that none of you will become hardened against God, being blinded by the glamour of sin. The word glamour there is really a poor translation. It means the delusion of sin. The delusion of sin. What does that mean? That means you... That, that means here you are in strife and envy, jealousy, division, and that, that delusion, you think that sin is not going to hurt you. you know, somehow you think that it's not going to hurt anything. No, it's going to destroy you. That's what he's saying there. For, watch this. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God as we did when we first become Christians, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning services at 10 o'clock. We also have what we call School of the Bible on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.